Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. Good morning, church. It's good to see you this morning. I'm glad to be here. There's nobody in this room that has surprised God by you being here. He knows not only the number of hairs on your head, He's ordered your footsteps. And He planned for you to be here. Regardless of why you're here, mom and dad dragged you, you got bribed with a lunch, whatever. Whatever God had to use to get you here, he got you here. Turn to somebody near you and tell them, you're no accident. You're no accident. You're no accident. It's, it's the will of God that you're here. He wants to share something with you through his Holy Spirit. He wants to share something with you. He's a good father that loves to give things. A number of years ago, we lived in near Toledo, Ohio. You don't want to live in Toledo. Holy Toledo, it is not. But it, it, it had a, a baseball team that was, you know, and they had a great stadium downtown Toledo, but... It, it sold out every game. You, you didn't get tickets to the Toledo Mud Hens. Being that close to Detroit, it was just, just a tough ticket to get. And, and Josiah had asked me a number of times if we could go, and I wanted to take him, but if you could find tickets, they were very expensive. And I heard on the radio, driving home from work, that they had a game that night at 7 o'clock, and they were going to shoot fireworks off. I got home and I called and I, I sensed something in my spirit that God was going to make something happen with this and I got home and I called and they said, oh no, we, we, we've been sold that for months. There's no tickets. So I got off the phone and I thought, well, that's that. And the Holy Spirit just gently said, I didn't tell you to call. I told you to go to the game. So, you know, I, I got him excited and I don't know how old he was. He was small. And I said, we're going to go to the game. And, you know, I, I think I was as excited as he was. And we got down there, and I thought maybe if I go up to the ticket window, you know, they'll have some left over. And, or maybe I could use my, my expansive charm and charm her out of just letting us go in and stand. Nah, that didn't work. She wasn't moved. She said, we don't have no tickets. Don't have nothing, nothing, nothing. I said, I just want to Nothing. So I've heard that there were ticket scalpers. I thought, well, just, I don't know what a ticket scalper looked like. I, looked, I was looking for some guy in an Indian outfit. Maybe he had tickets, and I didn't, I didn't see any of that. And J.J.'s like, Dad, you said, I said, just chill, man, just chill. The Holy Spirit, what am I supposed to do? The game's 10 minutes from starting, and I'm like, I got no tickets. I'm on the sidewalk out front. All these people roaming around, and I'm just looking around, asking the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden I see a spot, and the Holy Spirit tells me to go stand right there. It's like 60 feet away out in the middle of this big chunk of sidewalk. So we walked over there <laughs> to that spot, and we stood. Dad, what are we doing standing here? Just a minute while we stood there all of a sudden two ladies go walking by and right when they got in front of us one of their cell phones rang and they stopped and she goes where are you guys what oh you have got to be kidding me now what am I going to do with these two tickets <laughs> she goes that's just fine you hang up the phone and I go excuse me I, I wasn't over here I wasn't just standing here listening to your phone call but I couldn't help to overhear and she goes you want them and she hands me the tickets so in we go 
And they weren't in the nosebleed section. They were down where you had to be careful of foul balls hitting you in the face, you know. God doesn't give you junk. You know what, you're here this morning and he's got something for you. And in spite of me, if you will allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you personally, because that's what he desires to do, to speak to you personally, you can leave here with something very valuable. Amen? We started last week talking about four Sundays with the Father. This morning, the message is simply entitled, It's Time to Get Your Ships Together. What are you all laughing at? Turn to the person next to you and say, it's time to get your ships together. That'll make more sense in a minute. It originally said ship, but I lost my courage, okay? Luke chapter 15, verse 11. I, I, I know this is a long reading of this parable, but I just feel compelled to read it again this morning. And obedience is better than sacrifice. Luke 15, 11. We know that Jesus is speaking. Then Jesus said, then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields, to his fields, to feed swine. And when he, gladly, when he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything, but when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the father said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots. You killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. 
It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Would you stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me? Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share your heart. There is no greater privilege ever been given a human being than to share your heart with another human being. And yet, God, I'm all too familiar with my shortcomings, so I ask the Holy Spirit to do what he does so well, and that is to personalize the message to every individual. I thank you, God, that your word will not return void. It will accomplish that, which you sent it to do. Amen. Very quick review for seemingly ever. This has been called the parable of the prodigal son. We talked about last week, nowhere in this scripture is he ever called the prodigal son. And in fact, this parable is not about the son at all. It's about the father. Jesus said there was a certain man. That's who the story is about. And when we look at this parable in that light, it changes everything. When you understand that this parable is about the father and his attitude towards you and I, everybody in this room, it changes everything. Last week, we talked about three truths. We talked about truth number one. In the father's eyes, you are not what you do. No time did the father ever call him the prodigal son. He was the younger son. He was the younger son at the beginning. He was the younger son when he took all his stuff. He was the younger son when he was in the pig pen. And he was the younger son when he came home. He never stopped being anything other than the son of God. And it's important that you and I know that. Because we live in a world that wants to define us by our sin and our failure. Amen? You're an alcoholic. You're a drug addict. You're a harlot. You're a prostitute. You got anger issues. You're in depression. They want to define you by those words. But I want you to know something. God doesn't do that. Truth number two. When you join yourself to anything outside the Father's kingdom, you become a servant to it. There are those things the enemy will bring to you to try to get you to yield to that. And it always comes with this offer that it will serve you, but you will always end up serving it. There's nothing wrong with having money. It's when money has you. Nothing wrong with having a career, but when that career has you. There's nothing wrong with having a relationship, but never let a relationship have you. How many knows that can turn ugly? You get to the plate you can't place in life where you can't do without another human being, you are, you, are, you are setting yourself up for hurt. Come on. Truth number three. To repent is to arise. That's what repent means. Pent is penthouse, the top. Re means to put yourself back on top. Now we're on to truth number four. Truth number four is this. No matter how far you have gone or what you have done, God is still your father. Please get that. Doesn't matter how far away you go. Doesn't matter what you've done. When the young son was living with dad and enjoying the full blessings of dad, he was the son and the dad was the dad. When he went to his father and asked to take everything that he had coming for him, do you understand what he's saying? Just like in our society, when dad dies, the, 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 the estate is then split up between the children. This son is basically saying, Dad, I can't wait that long. I can't wait for you to die. 
I want it now. And the father still calls him son. And he goes to another country, and the father still calls him son. And he wastes what he was given, and the father still calls him son. And when he comes home, the older brother won't call him brother, but the father calls him son. You need to know something. We we live in a time when, I'll be honest with you, the church, because it doesn't know this truth, we look goofy. So which is it, pastor? Is it once saved, always saved? Or is it born again and again and again and again and again? And do, do, when we fall out with God, do we need to get saved again and again? Or, or are we once saved, always saved? How many have ever asked that question? Truth of the matter is, it's neither neither the fact that we're even asking the question means we don't have a full understanding of the truth so we act goofy about all this we need to get our ships together there's a difference between relationship and fellowship in the beginning of this story both sons had a relationship with dad And both sons had fellowship with dad. But the younger son asked for his inheritance. And so the father not only gave the younger son his inheritance, but he gave the older son his inheritance. And I want you to learn something in this story because the father giving the sons everything they wanted caused them to lose fellowship with him. And instead of being mad at dad when he doesn't give you everything you want, understand something, he cherishes fellowship with you. And when you and I are to the place that he can freely give us anything and it won't detract from our fellowship with him, he will freely give us anything. But if that thing you keep asking him for He knows it's going to disfellowship you from him. He's not going to give it to you. Paul said, I pray that your soul prosper and be in health. I pray that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. God does not want to bless you out of fellowship with him. Come on, somebody. You see, just maybe, just maybe... You didn't get that job that paid all that money because that money would get you. Maybe, just maybe, you're not in a relationship with somebody called a marriage yet because God doesn't want them to take you from him. And when you get to the point where that won't happen, where it's God first, spouse second. Come on, church. And so the son started off this parable in relationship and fellowship. But when he gave them everything they asked for, they lost fellowship. But they never lost relationship. Are you getting that? Some say, if I have no fellowship with God, then I've lost relationship. Others say that if I have relationship but no fellowship, then it, it, I can't go to heaven. Truth of the matter is, you and I have an opportunity for both. So then we ask dumb questions like this. If a believer gets drunk and is in the very act of committing adultery, when they die, do they go to heaven? We'll come back and answer that question in just a minute. But I want to tell you something. God's goal is to get you into heaven, but he's not in a hurry to do it. He's he's got a job for all of us to do down here. 
It's called being witnesses. And his desire is, listen to me, it's his desire that you know what heaven is like down here the same as in heaven. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And we've got to get out of this idea that we can only experience heaven when we get there. Jesus said this, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right now. Wherever the king is, is the kingdom. Unique things about presidents. When the president flies to a foreign country and he's on Air Force One, Air Force One is considered the United States of America. It says it on the side of the plane. When he steps off the airplane, he's in that foreign country. But when he gets in his limo, he's back into the United States of America. And when he drives through whatever country that is, he's in the United States of America. But when he gets out of the limo, he's in that country. God wants you and I to get in his limo and stay there. He's safe in the limo. He wants you and I to understand that it's his will that we experience the kingdom of God here so that we can share that with other people. He wants to use you and I as a witness of how good he is. I posted yesterday on Facebook. I think the church has lost its focus. We've become lawyers instead of witnesses. Witness simply tells what, it is, what he or she has experienced. A lawyer wants to argue. We argue too much in the church. We just argue too much. We've been called to be witnesses. Listen to me for a moment. Your heavenly father wants you out of the pig pen you're in. In the pig pen, you're a poor witness. We went to pastor a church that raised 40% of their monthly budget by selling stuff. Submarine sandwiches and chicken dinners. Buddy, they had a small factory going. Thousands of dollars a month. I'd go around town introducing myself to people. Hi, I'm pastor of so-and-so church. Never heard of it. You know, the one that's out, out there. No. Oh, the submarine sandwich church. Man, you guys got good subs. When are you going to do your next chicken fry? First, I thought it was funny, but the more I prayed about it, it began to irritate me. Here's why it irritated me. I got to go this guy in the street. Man, Jesus loves you. He can make change in your life. He is incredible. God is big. He can fix these problems you have. Would you buy one of my chicken dinners so we can pay our electric bill? You see what I'm saying? Wait a minute, that don't work. I'm, we're supposed to be there as a body of Christ to meet the needs of the community, and the community is meeting the needs of the church. All of a sudden, God gave me righteous indignation about how that was just all backwards. So I, I pulled the, the lady aside in the church who ran all that, and I sincerely thanked her for all that she had done. I mean, she worked tirelessly. She wore herself out cooking dinners and making submarine sandwiches and getting them delivered and getting it all organized, and I thanked her. I said, but we're not doing that no more. She says, you'll come begging me to dig you out. I got up on Sunday morning and again sincerely thanked her for all that she'd done. 
I says, we will never do another fundraiser as long as I'm a pastor here. I says, gone are the 15 to 20 minute offerings. We're going to do it in two to three minutes. And it's real simple, folks. If you and I don't believe enough God to pay our tithes and give any offerings, we need to be shut down. We're a blight on this community. You know what God did? We got to a point we had so much money we didn't know what to do with it all. That's not an exaggeration. We'd get more in one offering than we used to get in a month. It's time for, for you and I to get out of the pig pen because I want to tell you something. Father deserves better than that. He deserves better than that. He's called us out of the pig pen. He's empowered us to get out of the pig pen. Amen? Now back to the question. We have more than 1,100 chapters in the Bible of over 800,000 words. And we come up with a question like that. A man gets drunk and is caught in the act of adultery. When he dies, will he go to heaven? How many wants to know what this word of God says? Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Everybody say not of works. Lest anyone should boast. I believe once you get saved, I believe that the that God in your life brings about change. The more you fall in love with him, the more you change. The more you trust him, the more you change. But you don't go to heaven because you change. You go to heaven because you trust him. You become born again, which means you become his child. When you were born the first time, you were the child of the parents you were born to but when you are born again you become a member of the family of God so somebody says so what happened to that person I think God will have handle that individual just like he handled the woman caught in adultery or the thief on the cross he's not looking at their works He's looking at their heart. It sounds like I'm condoning sin. You're not hearing me. I think our relationship and fellowship with God pulls us out from sin. It draws us away from that. And when we place our full confidence in what Jesus did, we gain not only relationship with the Father, we gain fellowship with the Father. And there's too many that have settled for simple relationship. They got saved. They're glad they're not on their way to hell anymore. But I want to tell you this morning, there's more than that. There is fellowship. The easiest way to understand fellowship is you invite the fellow into your ship. According to my bank, I can have a relationship with my checking account. My bank says, that's what I've got, relationship checking. We never talk. Well, we sort of do. It says, feed me. It's like the little shop of whores. <laughs> feed me. Other than that, we don't talk. Can I, listen to me. Look at me in the eyes for just a moment. Your heavenly Father wants fellowship with you. I can't tell you how many, how many foster kids 
my wife and I were blessed to have an influence on their life. They've been gone from our lives for some of them 16, 18, 20 years. I don't think a month goes by, I don't think of at least one of them. In some ways, they're still our kid. But we have no fellowship. They're gone. They moved off with somebody else. They're gone. Dorothy and Sammy were brought to our house in the wee hours of the morning where Mama tried to drown them in the bathtub. Dorothy was so traumatized by that if you went to the sink to turn on the water to get a glass of water the sight of the water running she started to twirl her finger in her hair and say what are you doing what's happening I don't remember how old she was do you remember Gilbeth she needed to have a bath but you can understand why she was hesitant to let Gilbeth bathe her She's four years old. I, I really just—I can't be in there. So we worked out a plan where I would sit in the bathroom with my back to the bathtub so that she felt comfortable enough. Think about her. I'm, she was four. That was 20 years ago. 25 years ago. She's a woman now. I have no fellowship with her. Your Heavenly Father wants fellowship with you. You say, I've tried. Listen, you haven't tried nearly as much as he's tried. Jesus said it this way, ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. He said in another place, if you seek me with all of your heart, You'll find me. Listen, I, I want to. I'm going to tell you. Just, just. I'm going to tell you from personal experience. You have to be intentional about it. You can't be flippant about it. You have to be intentional. You have to find yourself a quiet place and turn off the noise of the world. And just, just go. Just find yourself a place. And just sit down. And talk about anything that's on your heart. And then be quiet. And don't listen with this ear. Listen with this ear. And if you spent five minutes talking, spend ten minutes listening. And you're likely to get up after the first time. See, I didn't hear nothing. Then go back again. And go back again. And go back again. And just keep just keep talking. Just keep talking. Just keep talking. And then there'll be that time when you're done talking and you listen and you don't hear nothing and you get ready to leave and all of a sudden thought just comes to you that you know it didn't come from you because you didn't know what you now know and even science understands you can't get something out of nothing and if all of a sudden you know something you didn't know a few minutes ago guess what that didn't come from you Luke 15, verse 17. Our next truth. Verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Truth number five, change the root. The root will produce the fruit. Can I tell you something, church? We have gotten this so backwards. We think what we need to do is to help sinner people quit sinning. That's not what we're supposed to do. Sinners sin. They're not sinners because they sin. They sin because they're sinners. And for so long, we in the church have tried to dress up and put lipstick on a pig. And all we've got is a bunch of angry pigs with lipstick running around. Because if a person doesn't change their heart, nothing's changed. Pastor, I, I, I want you to pray my, my fill in the blank doesn't have a relationship with God is caught up with this and I'm, I just pray that God would they would stop that. It doesn't get them saved. Listen to me for a moment. This young man did not come to himself when he realized how bad he was. He came to himself when he realized how good dad was. So stop with the religious nonsense. You and I have not been called to point out other people's failures and sin. Nobody gets to the place that they run to the Father because of how bad they are. The root is our heart, and, and that's what God looks to change, is our heart. He seeks to change that in us. If you don't change that, then you, you get hypocrisy. You get somebody who gets real good about acting it. I was even told this in our training to become ministers. At one point they said, when it comes to preaching, somebody asked a question, what, what if you come on a scripture that has commandments about life that you're not living up to? How do you preach that? And the answer back was, fake it until you make it. No, you know what you do? You get up and tell people. That's what the Word of God says. I'm not living up to it yet, but it doesn't change what the Word of God says. I've not been called to be perfect. Y'all knew that already. I'm not asking you to be like me. I'm asking you to be like Jesus. I'm not preaching my opinion. I'm preaching what the Word of God says. And sometimes, oftentimes, I'm preaching in a mirror in front of me. I'm not the example. Jesus is the example. Jesus is the one that we're to be like. <coughs> Truth number six. Never elevate the strength of your sin above the love of the Father. Luke 15. And the son, 15, verse 21. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, See that this this kid had practiced this speech when he was back in the pig pen 
and he realized how good dad was, he practiced his speech. How many of you had a really kind of strict dad? My dad was a military guy, a strict guy. We were afraid to talk to him sometimes. And so it caused us to turn, create comedy routines, or comedy now, they weren't then. Because if he didn't like what you said, he'd let you know, physically, that he didn't like what you said. So when we had to go ask Dad a question, the five of us boys would line up and we would rehearse. Dad, we would like to, the next one, know if it would be okay, the next one, if we take your tools into the woods to build a fort. Because that way you had a one out of five chance of getting hit. And so we practiced that before we went to Dad. I'll never forget, it's one of the very, very few times we ever made him laugh. We, we went before him with an idea, and as we're going down the line, he started laughing, because I'm sure it looked comical. What brought us to that point wasn't comical, but that, that was comical. This, listen to me, this, this boy practiced this in the pig pen. He said, uh, Dad, my, my dad's good. The servants he has are treated better than me. I, I'm going I'm to go back to him, and I'm going to tell him, Dad, I've sinned against heaven and, and against you, and I'm, I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. Just let me be a servant. Just, just. And he shows up to the dad, and listen to me, there's a truth here you've got to get a hold of. And he said, Dad, I, I, I want you to know that I've sinned against heaven and against you, and, and I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. I'm just make me one of your servants. And the dead turns to the servants. Can I tell you something? If you ever want to be ignored by God, start talking about how unworthy you are. He didn't even answer him. The sun pours out his heart. And the dad says to the servants, Go get a robe. Because you see, when you, when you talk about how unworthy you are, the focus is on the wrong thing. This is not about how unworthy you are. He knows how unworthy we are. That's why he sent Jesus. What is missing is how good he is. And so he won't talk to you about that. Listen to me for a moment. You've got to get this. At what point in the story did Dad forgive the son? At what point did he forgive the son? Did he forgive the son when he let him go with his inheritance? Did he forgive the son when the son had the prayer in the pig pen that Dad never heard? Did he forgive the son when the son came back? When does the parable say that Dad forgave the son? And the parable doesn't tell us because forgiveness was unnecessary. Dad was just glad that the son now understands he's a good father. He's ready to celebrate. He's ready to celebrate with you. Listen to me, you got, you got to get this. He forgave that son when he became the son. Listen to me. When you got saved, God did not forgive you of every sin you did from birth until that moment. God forgave you of every sin you did from birth until the end of your life. <coughs> That's why you don't get born again and again and again. Anybody in here have children? Have any of your children ever done anything wrong? Ever.
Did they ever make a mess? Okay, let's rewind the clock for a moment. Diapers. Side note here. Do not celebrate Thanksgiving with the daycare teachers. I found that out the hard way. We thought it would be a good idea. They said, come, Pastor, you'll have fun. We've got food. I went. There was food. I sat down with a plate full of nice food in a room full of ladies, and literally before I got the first spoonful in my mouth, one of them said, what is the worst diaper you've ever changed? Kelly, am I telling the truth? I'm like, is that what they talk about? I started to eat fast. It wasn't fast enough. Oh, I, I had a diaper that looked like this. And it, here's the funny part. They're talking about it. And between bites, they're describing it. can't eat now when listen to me when 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 you bring that baby home from the hospital the first time it messed its diaper did you throw it away I'm 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 I'm, I'm not just trying to be funny I'm, I'm speaking the truth did you throw it away no no, you, you, you changed the diaper. Didn't you? Please say yes. And you put, a, you put another diaper on. And if, if things are working right, a couple hours later, you did it again. And the child, from birth until they potty trained, they go through like three or four diapers, Right? Hundreds and hundreds. How many know what I'm talking about? Did any of you throw your kid away because they messed their diapers? What about when they when they finally learned to do that right and they found other ways to mess things up? I saw the cutest video. This mom has three kids and and she starts showing the video. She went Facebook Live almost immediately. Because there's her three little kids, and they're like three, Gail Beth, help me, about in ages. And the five-year-old found the clippers. And his little brother wanted a haircut, and he got it. And the little sister wanted a haircut. And she got it. Now, you can't tell from the front because from the front she had long blonde hair to look normal. But when she turned around, her back of her head is bald. And he even did his own hair. And she didn't pick those kids up and set them out with the garbage. At first she was crying, but then she was laughing. And then she saw the good in it. She said to the, the boy, did you do that? Yeah. She goes, thanks for telling the truth. Jesus put it this way. If you then, being evil, being of a fallen nature, if you know how to give good gifts to your children... You want to know why you kept changing the diapers? Because you knew there would come a time when you wouldn't have to. But they were always your child. Amen? And there would come a time when they won't do that to each other's hair. And there'll come a time when they don't, 
They don't do stupid stuff like that. Forgiveness wasn't needed. Father was just happy that the son finally figured it out. I want fellowship with you. Now that you know I'm good, let's have at it. And do you know that's what both of the sons were lacking? The older son was put off because dad was throwing this party. And the dad was shocked. He said, son, everything I have is yours. And your heavenly father wants you to know that. God did not send the world, son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Never elevate the strength of your failure, your sin, above the love of God. I'm not condoning sin. You're not hearing that. I'm offering the way out. Would you stand to your feet this morning? That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.